Hello, Ghostbusters. Yes, of course they're serious. You do? You have? No kidding. Uh-huh. Well, just, uh, just give me the address. Uh -huh. Yes, of course. Oh, they'll be totally discreet. Thank you. Them up. Fanboys and Friends presents. You're a great mind. I don't know. I'm fine with Trevor, but with Phoebe, she really keeps me on the outside. That's normal. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. Maybe a new home could be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. Are you pulse-pounding with the nostalgia that must be discussed, no matter what? What are you doing here in Somerville, anyway? We're completely broke, and our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly keep the power on. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. Do you experience a spark of fan service, yet it feels so good? You went with Station Wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. If the answer is yes, then wait just one minute. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Ghost Talkers, from the book of GB Spirit Guide. Maybe it's the apocalypse. The nostalgia is still standing. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? For Harold. Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city. It's like the walking dead. A new episode of Ghost Talkers starts right now. Do Egon. All right, gang, and welcome to the latest episode for Ghost Talkers uh, from the book of GB Spirit Guide. The best, the beautiful, the only Ghost Talkers. I am your host, David Sending, your master of ceremonies. And you know what? We had to pivot a bit, you know, because our old co-host, he just, I guess, couldn't do it anymore. So we, I got, we got a brand new one. We got one! And, you know, this is quite a, quite a thing for me because not only are the Ghostbusters, but our new co-host is one of my oldest friends, Right? This guy, I've known this guy for ever. He knew to Ghost Talkers from the book of GB Spirit Guide, Scott Lineways. Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good to hear you again. Oh, absolutely, my friend. All right, so we have quite a show today. We have not one, but two trailers to talk about. Gee, it, it almost feels like something strange, doesn't it, Scott? <laughs> yeah, something very strange in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So without further, like do, without further ado, let's get into the first up, the domestic trailer. So we will play that, and then Scott and I will be back to talk about our our thoughts, our excitement, and everything else. I've been waiting 40 years for this. They called themselves Ghostbusters. According to these hacks, they saved the world. 
No eyewitnesses. And who is found to carry the torch? Descendants of Egon Spengler. You have a miner hanging out the side of a moving vehicle, firing a laser gun indiscriminately. Has a proton pack. It's completely safe. I wouldn't say completely safe. The Ghostbusters are finished. Right. Well, overruled. Sustained. Thank you. You the weird guy who buys strange old things? Correct on both counts. Buddy, you just hit the jackpot. What is it? Better question is, what's inside of it? The parables tell of an unimaginable evil commanding an army of ghosts. With the power to kill by fear itself. Like, literally scared to death? We might be looking at a second ice age. We're gonna need all the help we can get. Let's get to work. Can I be of any help? Melnitz in uniform! Yeah! If there's something strange, if there's something weird, who are people gonna call? Ghostbusters, what do you want? We're the Ghostbusters. Can I tell you something else? What? Buster makes me feel mm -hmm. good. It makes me feel good. Heads up. It's all dark and horny at 12 o'clock. So let's get into it. Uh, first, first off, I gotta point out what what really sticks out to me here uh, is that, and uh, Scott will be very interested to see what you uh, think about it. This not only is this a sequel to Afterlife, a Ghostbusters four. So I mean, clearly two sequels in, and it's very very clear. Sony ain't going back to what they were doing, you know? No, I agree. It looks like, okay, the the trailer itself looks like it was edited by someone within Sony. But other than that, I feel like Sony is, you know, Sony brass is taking a very hands-off approach to the Ghostbusters IP. They're trusting Jason Reitman and Gil Keenan to just cook away and do what they do. Right, yeah. Oh, I would but, definitely agree. And adding to my to my uh, point I was making is that I also feel it's a sequel to Afterlife. It's a Ghostbusters 4, but furthermore, and this this is really, really, you know, a fondness to me and, and to you as well, I would imagine, because it's one of the better animated shows that ever existed. There really is real Ghostbusters and extreme Ghostbusters vibes. Oh, yeah. I mean, they talked about drawing off of those series pretty heavily for inspiration, and it comes through perfectly. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And, you know, and the only re the reason I bring up extreme for the most part was, wasn't that the, that was the, the series where Janine took more of a hands-on role in the firehouse from time to time, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. It's been a while since I've seen Extreme, but I think you're right on that. Yeah. And I, I love that. Let, let's also touch on this. There's a spiritual sort of comforting component that Janine is kind of Kind of in the Egon spot of the original trio, which I think is rather touching and fitting. Yeah, which makes sense because, I mean, remember in the, the first two movies, she definitely had a big soft spot for Egon. Oh, yeah. I, I think we really noticed in that very awkward uh, desk scene. 
I bet you like to read a lot, too. Print is dead. Oh, that's very fascinating, Timmy. I read a lot myself. Some people think I'm too intellectual, but I think it's a fabulous way to spend your spare time. I also play racquetball. Do you have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Oh, I was also happy to see that, or, well, first hear that bringing the band back together doesn't just involve the Ghostbusters themselves. The very first voice we hear in the U.S. trailer for Frozen Empire is William Atherton, a.k.a. Um, Walter Peck, the former EPA agent who, you know, the, excuse me, EPA bureaucrat who got the Ghostbusters shut down and earned one of the most famous nicknames in the whole franchise, a nickname that actually stuck with Atherton for a number of years after he did that movie. Yep. Yeah, like people yeah. in the streets of New York would spot him. He's like, "Oh, hey, Dickless." <laughs> now, now I have to. I'm glad you brought up that, okay? Because I have to bring this up, and uh, I know <laughs> I know you well enough, my friend, that you probably would have gone down this same road. In fact, I know you would have. Okay. We don't know what he is right now. Maybe he's mayor at this point. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine he's mayor at this point, you know, being 40-some uh, years on from Ghostbusters 2. But I'm like, ah, oh, Dickless, how does it feel to follow in the footsteps of Rudy Giuliani, who was actually a dick? <laughs> uh, we went from a mayor who was a dick to a mayor who has no dick. Right, right, exactly. Um, boy, that's not going to upset certain people. <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> who really cares? So, to, but you're you're right in, the, in what you brought up. And this is why I'm like, okay, movie, please, please, by the love of God, by the love of any containment unit, give me a reunion between Venkman and Dickless. I'll fix you, Venkman. I'm gonna fix you. I'm gonna get you a nice fruit basket. I'm gonna miss him. Just one. Oh God, please, that needs to happen. I mean, Who knows, maybe Beck's still got a grudge about that. Yeah, it could be the equivalent of, you know when, uh, when in the first Ghostbusters, when uh, Peck shuts down the containment unit, and Egon yeah. uh, literally goes off on him. Yeah. It could literally be a moment like that, but instead of a your mother, like instead of repeating that beat, you could literally yeah. just have Bankman like punch him. <laughs> and like, I've been wanting to do that for 40 years. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, okay. Two things that stick out to me, and the first is Bill Murray's line, you know, tall, dark, and horny at 12 o'clock, right? First of all, that's going to be the, the new, um, you know, uh, uh, if someone asks you if you're a god, that's going to be the new shirt. You say yes. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to be, you know how that god line is that, that's been the shirt for like 30-some years? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I can see tall, dark, and horny at 12 o'clock being the new shirt. And, <laughs> and you realize to a very frightening, strange thing in the neighborhood degree how much those sales are going to skyrocket every Valentine's Day? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just saying it would. But... It is very important to touch on that only Bill Murray, in the in his Bill Murray way, could make that line work and not seem like some kind of, you know, cancelable Twitter moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, because Bill Murray doesn't give a shit <laughs> about that whole thing that's, you know, basically been blown out of proportion. Bill Murray doesn't give a shit. Oh, yeah, not at all. And the second thing that stood out to me, you know what it was? What's that? 
when Slimer bursts out of the the pile of garbage, right? First, uh, uh, I'm just like, oh yeah, I, I'm just like, hey, it's every, it's how everybody felt post COVID coming out of our house. <laughs> but also very much a callback to Slimer's very first appearance, where he pass, where he passes through and slimes Venkman. So that that's is. another sort of passing of the torch. Come in, Ray. Pitman! I saw it, I saw it, I saw it! It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. Don't move. It won't hurt you. funky. Spangler, I'm with Bankman. Oh. You got slime. That's great, Ray. Save some for me. Get down here right away. I just went into a ballroom. Okay, we'll be right there. Well, without without the kid doing the same line, I I I do think the same line is there, right? Like we just hear yeah and then it cuts. Yeah. But I think yeah, he slimed me. I think that line will be there. I just feel for the the sort of uh, raining nostalgia berries that everybody wants to accuse a movie yeah. of doing these days. I think that's where they cut that. Right? Yeah, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. And also, another callback to the first movie and tying it all together, looks like they're going back to the New York Public Library. I mean, we get hints of that with the lions coming to life and then down in the basement racks, that famous library ghost. Oh, uh, I I have to use one of the cringiest episode nine lines, but I'll I'll rework it here. Somehow the gray lady has returned. Because <laughs> this this chick just won't die. <clears throat> mm. And I do love that that is a practical effect. It did look a little more lifelike. Like I'm, I have to imagine that Jason and Gil went back, consulted like the old teams to see what they did for that ghost, right? And reused those same techniques, those same, if possible, the same bits and pieces. I mean, because generally speaking, and I I don't like talking about, you know, their their one Ghostbusters misstep on the show, mainly because that's not. Ghostbusters, really, but uh, generally speaking, if you didn't go back to the practical, right, then I think mm -hmm. you would agree it would just look like, you know, um, copy and pasting of the 2016 thing. I mean, would that not be fair? Uh... Maybe a little harsh. Well, you and I both you and I both know uh, that that really wasn't um, you know Ghostbusters. Now this is Ghostbusters. Afterlife was Ghostbusters. It just happened to be in the form of a Jason Reitman film, and it left people confused. But also, it had to be what it was to get us to this point. It almost had to be a bridge movie. Not only that, but Afterlife was also Jason Reitman making his peace with his relationship with his dad and his relationship to this franchise. And he's kind of famously called himself the first Ghostbusters fan because he spent a, some pretty significant chunks of his childhood and formative years on the set for the first two movies. Mm -hmm. Well, and I it, he and, wound up developing and, a love-hate relationship with the movies and with his dad because of them and their right, effects. Right. And writing I'm, Afterlife was I'm, channeling I'm, all of that into a, a story. 
I'm glad you brought that up because you know who else I wish would have done that? Would have had that kind of a, you know, come to Jesus um, a moment in, a, in the form of a movie or some kind of medium. You know who else I wish would have done that? Who's that? George Lucas's kids. Because I, I think what's pretty clear when you look at the two franchises, right? And, or look at it from a history perspective, is unfortunately both grew up with the sense of resenting what their dad was doing. You know, much like you brought up with uh, Afterlife. Um, but we all know that, you know, like, like case in point, I, I, I feel, and I say this as a staunch Star Wars guy, right? You know that as well as anybody else, but I feel that what, what is, what happened here, right? Uh, which is the op the opposite of resentment, where it sort of came to peace with his dad and and the legacy of this franchise, never materialized with Star Wars. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I agree. And even George himself, I, I remember when the prequels were originally in development, he was reaching out to other directors because he didn't think that he would be able to do this. Right. Like he wanted to pass the torch on to someone else who could take the universe that he created and run with it. But 201, they were all like, no, 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 George, this is your baby. You run with it. Right, and, and that really didn't go so well. <laughs> I mean, made money. Uh, but... I suppose it's one of the two extreme examples of what happens when you give the creator of a franchise uh a considerable budget and virtually unlimited creative control. Well, the other well, stream, again, I say would be pal, Mad Max Fury Road. Again, we're you know we're talking Ghostbusters here, but it is a prevalent example because it kind of, you know, in a weird way, you know, oddly fits, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what else stood out to you with this trailer? It seemed, for me, it seemed not to weigh too heavily or, like, not put too much weight on the original crew. Like, they're also emphasizing that, hey, we've still got Finn Wolfhard. We've still got um, Grace McKenna. Or McKenna, McKenna Grace. Grace. I can never remember which. Yeah. yeah then this is very, I mean, yes, this is about bringing the old crew back. But at the same time, we've still got this new crew of Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. uh, Egon's kids, this new generation. And some of the action sequences, like the the car, like the um, the ecto chase, the with, with that ghostly barracuda eel thing through the streets of New York. I mean, very careful to emphasize that it's McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard taking point on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and let's be honest, the streets of New York aren't exactly, uh, you know, driving through uh, the wheat fields of Oklahoma. <laughs> Slight yeah. difference. Slight difference. And having Paul Rudd here, it's just genius. I feel like it's a, it's almost like a level up from Lewis. Yeah, and you know, part of me is still hoping against hope that maybe they could have persuaded Rick Moranis to do like a a, a one scene wonder cameo, but oh, he I seems to be I very comfortably so. retired from acting and. I can I can respect that, but you know, I can respect my, that too. But I certainly my hope nerd so. heart would, but great if they persuaded him. You know who I you know who I think they should bring into one of these. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> Eugene Levy. He was a he was a cut scene in the in, in the original film. I think it was the original second film, but he played um, uh, Sherman Tully. <laughs> and I'm like, hell, Eugene's still alive. Stick him in here somewhere. You know. Not only that, but the two of them, um, Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis, were together at Second City, the uh, the comedy troupe. 
They were both part of SCPD. Yeah, yeah. So like the original trio, they pretty much come out of uh, Second City background. Yeah. I don't know. Did Ernie come out of Second City? I think it was pretty much uh, Harold, Bill, and Dan, wasn't it? Uh, Yeah, I can't remember where um, Ernie started out from. Let me just have a quick look. No, he's not a Second City product. Uh, oh, so it was uh, Harold, Dan, and, and Bill. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, all right, so uh, any more thoughts on this trailer before we move on to the international one? No, I'm good to go. All right. All right, so, gang, what we will do is we'll play the international trailer, and then we'll be back, uh, you know, to reconvene and give our thoughts and the, and all that good stuff. We've all had experiences and encounters with the unknown and the unexplainable. Here, we pay top dollar for your possessed possessions. Now this is very, very interesting. Have it for 40. I've never seen anything like this at all. 60. All over New York City, ghost attacks are on the rise. Ghostbusters, what do you want? And we are the only ones Hold on your ass. equipped to fight back. Welcome to the new Paranormal Research Center. You just let ghosts hang out in here? We've spent 40 years trapping them. Now we can study them. He's cute. Yeah. Ever since you brought in this orb, strange things have been occurring. You think it's commanding of the spirits. Is something trying to get out? Many things. You could be looking at a full bore army of ghosts with the power to kill. By fear itself. Like, literally scared to death? That's messed up. So what is the plan? We're the Ghostbusters. We stay and fight for this place. Suit up. Shoot anything that looks terrified. That orb is prophesizing to bring about the end of humankind. The second ice age. Slimer is still funny, even in the international trailer. Honestly, I think I like the international trailer better than the domestic. Yeah, I kind of do as well, um, which is weird because they usually put every everything into the the domestic trailer and then give um, the international one the sort of um, leftover treatment. This almost feels like it was flipped. You know, I feel like this one does a better job of like laying out the premises of well, what this movie is going to be about. It does a better job of selling and, like, the story, being more straightforward about it. Yeah, where, yeah. Where the domestic feels like it's—I mean, they're both great trailers. Do not get me wrong there, right? But the domestic does feel more like you're selling uh, a mixtape. You're selling a bowl of member berries. You're selling nostalgia. You know, all the trigger words that, you know, people get annoyed with for some goddamn reason. But when you're... Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like the domestic trailer might have been edited by someone like Inside Sony. This one feels more like it was edited by Jason and Gil. And that's a sentiment shared by a lot of folks... Right. No, it does. Yeah, absolutely. 
this one feels like it was edited by Jason and Gil specifically, where the domestic, uh, and again, I love both of them, but the domestic feels like, you know, some Sony hand had a feeling it. I mean, either way, I think the fundamental thing was reached where both trailers kind of go, okay, don't give me any more, just give me the film. Yeah, I'm okay if these are the last trailers we get. Yeah, I'd be okay if... I don't... I mean, look, I was in the minute we saw the original teaser back in November, and you heard Bananarama with Cruel Summer, and I was... I I thought, is Johnny Lawrence, did he move to New York? What the hell? Tell me it's going to be another hot one out there. In fact, there are heat alerts in effect for New Jersey, feeling like 100 degrees. By the way, I know everybody likes, you know, this whole, you know, pop star glittery princess Taylor Swift and her cruel summer. But I'm like, I'm sorry, Taylor. There's one cruel summer, and it was, and the name is Bananarama. Yeah, sorry, that's the only version I prefer. I accept as well. Yeah. Um, now, very important things to point out, and I didn't bring this up in the domestic, uh, but I think it makes a difference here because it 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 doesn't distract from the overall tone of this trailer. You know, where uh-huh. uh, Paul Rudd basically giving the the Ray Parker Jr. song lines as just normal dialogue Yeah, and Terry Coon is just looking at him like, God, what the hell did I sign up for? Yeah, but but come on. Like I said, with, with Bill Murray saying the line, tall, dark, and horny at 12 o'clock, yeah, some of the, some of the lines in that song can be legitimately triggering to some folks now, which, by the way, if 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 you are one of those people, kindly get off this uh, podcast because what are you doing here? We're going to talk about it anyway. But um, only Paul Rudd can make that work. Like the Bustin makes me feel Yeah, it's good. because of that earnest delivery of his. Yeah. Only Paul Rudd can do that. I think if you gave those lines to anybody else, it would feel like too much, and it wouldn't work as well. There's a there's an earnest nuance to um, to Paul that I just don't think anybody else has. Yeah, that can, yeah. Plus, he's also channeling his and honestly our inner fanboy. Yeah, he is, which I which I think is kind of funny in that moment. Now, the Paranormal Research Center. Do you get the feeling there's kind of a a bit of a a Jurassic Park feel with this? <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Right. And so, at one of the um, like the mid or post credit sequences for Afterlife, we um, we had that conversation between Winston and Janine, and now we get to see you know, exactly how well one of the other ways how Winston has been putting his money back towards his roots, towards right. ghost Right. He's been keeping Rage of Cult books alive for the last 30 years. Yeah. You got, because apparently Ray can't turn profit. Up. I want you to take this. What is it? It's a souvenir from the World's Fair at Flushing Meadow in 1964. It's my lucky coin. I shouldn't take it. We might not be coming back. Take it anyway. I got another one at home. Egon was brains. Ray was the heart. Peter just kept it cool. <laughs> Who are you? The sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> You've done very well for yourself. A lot of shelf space. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't do it for me. I do it for my kids, and I want to be an example of what's possible. You still covering the rent at Ray's bookshop? 
Ray's gonna turn a profit one of these days. <laughs> I remember the day you came in. I came in looking for a steady paycheck. But busting ghosts with the guys taught me not to be afraid. That I had the tools and I had the talent. I started this business with one employee. And I've grown it into a thriving global enterprise. I may be a businessman, but I will always be a Ghostbuster. But you gotta also look if you're gonna bring up that scene in Afterlife, that last post credit scene with what sorts beautiful by the way, it was one of those where not only did we get the ending we got where we we saw kind of the most sort of how the hell am I looking at this again moment, right? Uh considering Harold's long gone. But we also got a non-CGI use, reuse footage, actually it was a cutscene, but with Harold actually in the film. Yeah. Because that was actually a cutscene when they were actually going to uh, go face Gozer in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but that scene actually plays out longer where... I think it was one of those where they were hinting more at the um, um, flirtation between Janine and Egon. Yeah. So. <laughs> I wonder if it's ever going to be resolved as to who exactly um, Egon's wife and mother, grandma and grandmother of his kids and grandkids, of his daughter and grandkids are. Because, I mean, it seems like it's not Janine, then then who could it be? Well, um, I don't know. Janine seems like a card they could play, right? But it would seem very out of left field, because why wouldn't Callie recognize her mother? Yeah. You know? So, you see what I mean? So, it kind of seems like that influx um sort of card right where it's like if you mm-hmm. if you were going to play that it would have been right at the first exchange in afterlife you know yeah i think you're right yeah so it almost feels like while they could play that uh it almost feels a little late to play that yeah so um Hey, you know what? Maybe, you know, like Ron Howard, who went outside of Mayberry to actually find a woman and produce Bryce Dallas Howard, maybe Egon got lucky. (laughs) Just saying. I don't know why I keep bringing up that, but when you put two and two together with Ron and Bryce, you're like, well, Opie Cunningham did well for himself, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, just a little funny sort of brain teaser there. Uh, oh, and uh, apparently uh, the Raise the Cult bookstore has uh, tarot cards and uh, and live music now. Because I've seen yeah, those we were going over posted. That. Yeah, we were going over that. And, and one of my wishes is... Oh, please, please, for the love of God, tell me Slimer is in a Blues Brothers cover band. (laughs) You got to get them like the Ray Bands and the Bolo Hat. Yeah. Right. Um, So have him as, have him as Jake? Yeah. 
and have him partnered up with Dan. You know what? It would be quite fitting because wasn't Slimer... Slimer was essentially, um, you know, um, uh, done up as uh, Belushi's Bluto. Yeah. Like, it, there's definitely riffs on Bluto Blutarski. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would say it's more than riffs. You know, especially now. I mean, like like we were talking about in the domestic trailer, um, when he comes out of that trash pile, Slimer's looking a little fat, a little COVID fat. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the, the COVID 15 or 20. <laughs> oh, no, not the 20. Certain people get certain ideas. We don't want to do that. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, do you get the feeling that they're treating Slimer, uh, again, this is a very real Ghostbusters comparison here, but he's like the pet of the firehouse now? Yeah. So here's the million dollar question. I mean, question. and why not? Aside from the, the cartoon ghost of the logo, he's arguably the mascot for the entire franchise. I know, I know. Here's the million dollar question, Scott. All right. Do you think come March 22nd, 2024, but do you think we see we hear Slimer make noise? Yeah, yeah, I think we do. So you think we hear Slimer make sound, huh? Like you did in the old cartoon. Oh, yeah. Okay, then I just have to say I can think of one guy to make the weird sounds for Slimer. You know who that is? Frank Welker? No. D. Bradley Baker. Also a good choice. Because, come on, if you need weird animal sounds, you go to D. <laughs> I mean that man is a is a human, um, you know, pot of weird sounds. All right, so I mean, yeah, my first thought goes to Frank Walker, but he is also a damn good choice. Well, yeah, I think I think Frank is Frank. Uh, you also think of you know folks getting up there now, and and I love Frank, but I'm also thinking long term, right? And. Um, yeah, as far as like Frank and, and Peter Cullen is another great example. Um, yeah, you're just playing a really interesting long-term game with either of those guys at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, granted, we hate to bring up mortality and, and, and I, both you and me think that People people bring up age too much and play too much of a thing with it. But it is something very real, especially if your franchise is ongoing. And clearly, with Ghostbusters, now two proper movies in. I mean, Afterlife was the closest we got to a GB3. And this might as well be GB4, for God's sake. So... And like we were saying at the top of the show, clearly that also indicates Sony's not going back at all. You know, um, they're going forward here. I mean, hell, I'd like to see, uh, but let, to add to that, though, what I was saying, reality is reality. You got to think long term for, you know, the the run of your franchise anyway. And that's why I went to the name D. Bradley Baker instead of, you know, Frank Wilker, like, right off the bat. Um, but you know who I'd like to see in one of these? Who's that? Uh, some real Ghostbusters villain pools. I'd like to see Sam Haim and um, uh, Boogeyman. Oh, yeah, we've got, like, four or five seasons of real Ghostbusters they could mm -hmm. possibly draw from yeah. for future films. And Dan Aykroyd said he could see, after Afterlife, a grand total of three, I think he said. So Frozen Empire plus two more. 
Yeah, well, I'm yeah, that different villain ghosts each time. Wait, two more after Frozen Empire? He said that. Yes. Oh, okay. Where? Yeah, where following did... Afterlife, a grand total of three movies. Oh, so a grand total of three. So it would be Afterlife, Frozen Empire, yeah. and then a third to close it out. Or maybe yeah. not. Maybe not close it out because let's be honest. Say we get a sequel to Frozen Empire, all right? This is a nice thing to play around with. But say that happens. I think, because clearly these have been, uh, unlike, say, Star Wars, where I think they had a really interesting time trying to figure it out. But um, I'd say these are important. It's like a, a... it's like three transition films. Afterlife starts those gears turning. Frozen Empire turns those gears even more, you know, by bringing, you know, the old gang back in. You know, uh, Bill, Dan, Ernie, Annie, that kind of thing. Uh, I'd say Slimer, but Slimer is probably going to be there, you know, for a future movie anyway, because he's kind of your evergreen. Yeah characters you know much like your 3po or r2 or chewy they're just there um and then a third would be purely solidifying the fact that okay now we have finn wolfhard we have mckenna grace we have celeste o'connor we have logan kim that's your core team right now mm-hmm. right um and and then uh, at that point, Winston becomes a future advisor with the firehouse. You know, kind of your head CEO or whatever, right? Yeah. Now, now final question I want to ask is, do you kind of see, I mean, with the firehouse and with Raise a Cult bookstore, right? Do you kind of see this also having a structure very similar to what Elphonic was doing with the um, with the video game? You're a pretty big fan of the Busters, aren't you? Well, we're back. We're up, running, and firing on all 16 cylinders. And the firehouse cleans up pretty good, huh? Every time I hear that alarm go off, I still get chills. Things are heating up around here, which is why we need help. That's where you come in. Looks like you've got the tools and the talent. Welcome to the team. I hope you'll find your own unique flavor to bring to the jumpsuit. And modifications to the tools. Actos all gassed up and ready to go when you are. can't get over all the spooky stuff happening across the city. It feels magical in an ectoplasmic horror show kind of way. Keep it up, and maybe someday you'll have my job. Maybe. I ain't afraid of no You have the chance to peek behind the veil of life itself and see firsthand what exists on the other side. The things you'll experience here will be like nothing you've ever seen before. Anything can become haunted. Watch out for the slug. You'll be cleaning that stuff out of crevices you didn't know you had for weeks. You can manage a little less collateral damage on your next call. My bank account would greatly appreciate it. Yes, yes, I think so. Where we get that as like a hub. Where the Razor Cult happens to be like an exposition dump, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because it very much does feel like that, you know. Feels like what Alphonic was doing, uh, what was that, three, four years ago or something? Yeah. 
It was like the Spirits Unleashed video game they were doing. So I really feel this film is kind of, kind of um, having a structure very similar to that. So you have a bit of the video game. You have real Ghostbusters and extreme Ghostbusters vibe going on here. And you have a... I don't want to say more connectivity with, with Ghostbusters 2 than Afterlife did because Afterlife was an important way to get here. Um, but this is very much a spiritual sequel to uh, Ivan's original work, right? Yeah. But I also feel that, you know, if you couldn't have this movie, or no, you yeah, you couldn't have this movie without having Afterlife, you know? Like, jumping from Ghostbusters 2 to this, would have felt very disingenuous and odd, you know, um, and not felt mm, tangible, I think, right? I, 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 yeah, that would be the word. Uh, not felt tangible at all. I mean, how would you, how would you feel about that? Yeah, I think we needed that time between Ghostbusters 2 and Afterlife, and of course, Afterlife itself. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest, Afterlife, uh, you know, was that Ghostbusters 3 we were looking for, because it essentially closed the book on the original 4. Yeah, which was kind of necessary following the, the real-world passing of Harold Ramis. Yeah, which was, and it was a long overdue goodbye, because at the time, he was gone, like, what, seven years? Uh, he died in early 2014. Yeah, the, um, but at the time of Afterlife's yeah. release, that would have been seven yeah. years, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it that wound up hitting theaters, like, premiering in theaters on the weekend before what would have been Harold's 77th birthday. Oh, yeah. Which, that, that had to be deliberate. Oh, you're damn right that was deliberate. Now, uh, before we wrap this up, one thing I want to touch on, because this is very important in contrast with the domestic and international trailers. Mm -hmm. No Ray Parker Jr. theme, right? Now, yeah. look, I think we're going to get another trailer closer to this maybe end of February or top end of March, who knows? Uh, you know, like one of those tickets on sale now, things they always do, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm also content with, um, you know, just reserve it for the film. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm okay we, with we it. know it's going to be there. But just reserve it for the film. I'm very content with that. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah. Save it for the film. Oh, most definitely. Save the Ray Parker Jr. theme for the film. But, you know, we're podcasters and we're ghost talkers. So, oh, I don't know. It gets you thinking, what if... What if? The parables tell of an unimaginable evil commanding an army of ghosts. With the power to kill right here itself. Like, literally scared to death? We might be looking at a second ice age. We're gonna need all the help we can get. Let's get to work. Can I be of any help? Melnitz in uniform! Yeah! If there's something strange... If there's something strange... If there's something weird... In your neighborhood... What are people gonna call? Ghostbusters, what do you want? We're the Ghostbusters. Can I tell you something else? What? Buster makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Up. 
Call back in horny at 12 o'clock. Well, uh, that'll wrap up our uh, breakdown of uh, the Ghostbusters uh, domestic and international trailer. Scott, my friend, thank you for joining me on this trip. And again, welcome aboard, a wholehearted welcome aboard to Ghost Talkers from the book of GB Spirit Guide. This is going to be a fun journey, pal. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for bringing me on board. Oh, Good to course. be back. Of course, man. Anyway, gang, uh, and thank you for listening, my fellow ghost heads. Yes, because I've been saying for years, guys, look, I may be a Star Wars guy, but I will always be a ghost head. So uh, thank you for joining us on this uh, journey. And uh, next time, I think, Scott, what we'll end up doing is later on in the month we'll we'll break down some of the real ghostbusters animated series to ever you know be in front of your eyeballs <laughs> now that is some high praise yeah i know right i mean since we grew up with a lot we grew up with that we grew up with teenage mutant Ninja turtles yes actual turtles kids not this kind of weird squished looking samurai jack thing you guys call turtles mutant mayhem i'm looking at you you still owe me a goddamn apology for that <laughs> but we had some of the best so I'm thinking that's the those are the next few episodes we do so gang until next time we'll just leave you with this got your stick oh, oh. heat him up big oh. ready. ready let's show this prehistoric bitch how we do things downtown What kind of scientist was Grandpa? Honestly, I have no idea. Thanks for listening to Ghost Talkers from the Book of GB Spirit Guide. I found it in my living room. Wait a minute. This thing is real? Somehow, a town that has no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. What is that? Maybe it's the apocalypse. Oh my god. This isn't a mine. It's a gateway. Ghostbusters and everything Ghostbusters related. This is a property of Sony Pictures Entertainment. All rights reserved. I love this car. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only, and no infringement is intended.
exactly is happening here? We need to finish what our grandfather started. That's not good. Professionals, Ghost Talkers, they're here to talk to you.